Taryn? Yes, Andy? What's the best thing you ever chainsaw? Hello and welcome to Best Thing I Ever Chainsaw, where we nibble and nosh on a cinematic amuse-bouche from the horror genre. I'm Andy Schmidt. And I'm Taryn Peterson. Love that jingle, spooky jingle. Spooky theme. Thanks to Insert Name for helping us out on that one. Appreciate it. Taryn, how do we get here? It's a good question, Andy. I mean, you asked me to watch a movie. Here I am. Didn't yeah, take you know, it's really two. I think the alternate title for this uh, series is like Two Friends in a Horror Movie. Two Friends in a Horror Movie. Yes, a horror movie. Gotta say it correctly. And there's a lot of, you know, you got a lot of options when you listen to two friends talking about movies, two friends talking about horror movies, but those are my favorite podcasts, right? It's just two, two people, two friends, just kind of having a long form, casual conversation. Then incidentally, we'll talk about uh, whatever movie of the week we got we got going on here. You know, you know me from best thing I ever saw, and I guess Taryn as well. Taryn, you were on. We did a uh, famously a horror sure. movie episode <laughs> uh, last year uh, with with Rachel, and it's summer. We're on summer vacation. Tackling, tackling a lot of projects. We got a horror sequel episode in in the making, and I think I reached a point where I wanted to watch and cover too many movies for this horror sequel episode, and we thought, well, why not just uh, splinter off, spin off, create our own little sister series where, uh, you know, we're not beholden to whatever the, the the specific topic is for an episode of Best Thing I Ever Saw, and we can kind of just talk about whatever horror movie we want. And what are we talking about today? Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, the fifth one, right? Yeah, I guess not since Star Wars did a famous movie-related project to start in the middle to people's uh, confusion. But yeah, we're starting with with part five. We didn't cover any Friday the 13th movies in our horror episode for Best Thing I Ever Saw last year. But I've had, you know, I had a bit of a... An awakening, an epiphany a few months ago, still in the thick of the pandemic where, look, I watched all of the Friday the 13th movies <laughs> uh, and they're great. And we'll be including some of them in our upcoming horror sequels episode of Best Thing I Ever Saw, but we won't be including this one. And I said, Taryn, we just got to sit down and talk about this movie. Uh, I love this movie. We'll, we'll talk about the many reasons uh, why that is uh, as we get kind of further along in the show uh probably i guess starting with our genre jaunt if you're if you're an avid listener of the best thing i ever saw podcast you'll know that we always start with a genre journey this being a, a little bit smaller in focus uh we thought we'll we'll kick things off with a genre jaunt so taryn how did you come it was a long journey to say the least how did you come to Friday the 13th, a new beginning. So I thought that I had seen the original Friday the 13th before, but apparently not. Uh, so yesterday <laughs> I decided to, well, I, obviously I was going to watch this one, the fifth one, but um, 
I felt like I needed a little bit of context other than, you know, pop culture references of Jason Voorhees. So at about 11 a.m., <laughs> I watched the first Friday the 13th and later in the day watched the, the fifth one. Skipped all the others in between and here we are. <laughs> what do you think of the first one? What do you think of the, the original? I enjoyed it. It's from 1980, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very late 70s, early 80s feel to it. And I was here for that. It. W- I don't know how, like if I were to compare it to other horror movies of, of its time, there are others that I like more. But it's prolific, given that there are 12 <laughs> of these movies for some reason. <laughs> so I needed to add that to my watched list, I guess. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, a moment ago that I watched all of these um, a few a few months ago, and I don't think I had seen I hadn't seen any of them except for Freddy versus Jason. I was also haven't uh, seen that one. I guess a few years younger than seventeen when Freddy versus Jason came out, but my my friend and I snuck into the movie or st- snuck into the theater. I'm trying to remember. I guess I I mean I won't <laughs> I won't delay us here and and try and look it up, but I'm. I'm curious to know what movie we would have bought tickets for, um, what would have been out around the same time that we used to sneak into to Freddy vs. Jason. But I, I had never really seen another Jason movie. I was always, I probably would have identified as more of a, a Freddy person in terms of like 80s slasher movies. Um, and I definitely think, and we'll, we'll talk about part two. Um, which is fantastic in our sequels episode. But in terms of kind of the like the Mount Rushmore of like ho- horror movie characters, your Freddies, your Jasons, your Michaels, Leatherfaces, your Candy Men, Man, Man. <laughs> um, this is maybe yeah, it's maybe sort of one of like the weaker first entries. I mean, I think we would probably both agree the first Halloween is better than Friday the Thirteenth, and definitely. I would. I, I rewatched Nightmare on Elm Street recently, um, and really enjoyed it. And I would. I'd say it's it kind of. It moves a little better. Feels much better than uh, Friday the Thirteenth. But at the. I, don't, I just. I love being at camp, and I can't really explain it. I pretty much hated camp as a kid. Not that I <laughs> went very much, and I didn't go very much because I hated camp. I only. I never went to a, a sleepaway camp. Um, I only got as far as day camp, I think, through Cub Scouts, where they would have you, like, three days in a row in the middle of summer, around, like, fourth, fifth grade, go to this day camp for a day, and I just hated it so, so much. Um, So I really can't wrap my mind around why I love camp movies so much. I don't love summer that much. (laughs) I don't love the water so much. But God, if I don't just love a summer, it doesn't have to be a horror movie. Love Parent Trap. That's my love. The only Wet other Hot movie I could think of with the the camp setting that I truly enjoy. I love Camp the Bar in <laughs> beautiful downtown St. Paul. So and- that's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, first one, first one's not bad. And um, we were talking off off mic before we started recording that you sort of inadvertently watched. Two movie, two Friday the Thirteenth movies without Jason as uh, as the killer in it, which is you know, interesting statistic. Well, and also the the plot structure, I guess you can go with, is nearly identical. 
with these two movies. And I don't know if that is a theme or a just something that is typical with the other ones, but it's just like camp setting or just or a youth development center setting but on the same land <laughs> um and then everybody just gets killed off one by one <laughs> well, that's a good point because they're yeah. both they're both mysteries too in the in, in in a way that the many of the other ones really aren't i guess nine kind of is mysterious to put it generously but in terms of it being like sort of an agatha christie-esque whodunit um you know, having no prior information going into the first one, you don't know who the who the killer is, and that's kind of the same way with with five. So I had it spoiled for. I knew going into five that Jason wasn't the killer, that it was someone else in that weird <laughs> like cut out mask with the so like the face is exposed, but it looks oh, like yeah, the rest yeah. of Jason's bulbous head. Um, <laughs> I imagine you didn't have it spoiled for you. So did you go into this thinking that it's a Friday the 13th movie, Jason Voorhees is the killer? That was my assumption. Yeah. Because I, in full transparency, after watching the first one, I kind of wanted to know more of the the backstory with Jason Voorhees because I'm like, what's the mom? What? Um, So I, I read up on basically just the Wikipedia page of the, the, the backstory involving just him and his mom and how like he, he drowns the link and mom was the original Voorhees murderer, I guess. <laughs> but no, there was nothing spoiled for me in terms of the fifth one, but I just wanted to know more about, given that I wasn't going to watch all four prior to the fifth one, I wanted to know a little bit more about who Jason was and how that progresses moving into the fifth one well yeah i saw when you came in you had like a little you had a kind of similar to roy you have a little stack of newspaper clippings with various jason Voorhees uh totally stories i obviously went and found some microfilm at the the library before coming here (laughs) you camp person did you go to camp when you were a kid oh yeah, yeah yeah i went to a variety of camps um i went to a YMCA camp called Camp Miller, which is a pretty like, I mean, minus all the murdering, um, pretty comparable <laughs> to um, Camp Crystal Lake. Um, at least my assumption would have been that um, I didn't do a lot of singing around a campfire like they do in the first one before everybody's murdered. But um, I also went to a computer camp for some reason, not by choice. <laughs> What does one do at computer camp? Actually, Brag. so it was at the University of Minnesota, and um, my mom chose it for me. I don't know. It was probably around the time, like, in the the early 2000s, where it's like, oh, girls need to do more science and technology stuff. And my mom probably, like, read a newspaper article about it or something and sent me to this, like, computer coding camp that... I don't remember a whole lot about other than like learning very basic code that I don't remember anymore. And also one of the, the girls that shared a dorm room with me when I was sleeping, decided to put gum in my ear and gum in your hair in my ear while I was sleeping. How old were you? I was like 12. 
Is it bubblicious? I don't know. I couldn't taste it. It was in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but then but then what happened? I don't know who it was, but I mean, I just woke up and took it out of my ear like you would do and for the remainder of camp like slept with a blanket inside <laughs> of my head. Fun fact about me. This has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> All right, I got to tell this story. You mentioned uh, I I'm a nice guy. I hope I don't sound like like a dick. <laughs> I can I can attest to this. But so so you mentioned the sort of this the fervor for maybe lack of a less intense word around you know doing all of you doing all you can to get girls into math and science camps oh, yeah, yeah. and courses and whatnot which was not my thing ever and so so you and i you know frequently have the opportunity to see uh theater theater for free uh where we live which is great it's a opportunity we have to take advantage of, and there's a one small perk of our jobs. Certain certain theater company in the area that does an annual Christmas Carol production, <laughs> and I don't think I'm sure. I mean, you if if you're already doing a Christmas Carol every year, I'm sure they change it up. I'm sure it has many different tones and actors and sort of flavors that it uh you know presents throughout the years and, and, and decades and as the culture shifts and you know whatever so but anyways i don't know where the story um, is going <laughs> so i think so it was two years ago uh rachel and i went to see the that year's production of the christmas carol and in 2019 in 20 no 20 was it 2019 i saw it in 2019 no yeah i think it, yeah it was 2019 okay and it you know does the uh, contemporary theatery thing, which is totally fine. Um, it was very gender swappy. It was very oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. race blind. Totally fine. Um, oh no, I'm conflating that with another story, which I will tell later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, it had a you know Scrooge was was played by a female actress. Not not a, not a problem whatsoever. She was okay though. She wasn't like my favorite Scrooge, and I think they alternately had a male Scrooge. But our production had had the female Scrooge. But anyway, they had have, had sort of laid on a lot of progressive themes pretty uh, thickly in this production, and um, I always joke with Rachel because practically by the end of it, they were because I think Abigail's one of the Cratchit children and. There's there's the, the the scene at the end when you know in, in many Christmas Carol renditions where it's like oh you know buy the biggest goose that you can find and run and get all toys for the children and enroll Abigail in as many steam classes as you can find. Joke makes Rachel laugh, maybe not Taryn. Different jokes for different people. Well, come for the Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> Talk, stay for the uh, Christmas Carol analysis. <laughs> so that was your genre, John, Taryn. Well, yeah, we haven't even gotten um, to yours yet. I, I've got, I broke a sweater in that one. <laughs> I've got an interesting and perhaps completely incorrect history with this movie. So love horror movies, been fascinated by horror movies from a pretty young age, like middle school, let's yeah. say, and probably the most common thing you could find my friend and I doing 
on a Friday, Saturday night is either, uh, you know, trolling the, the horror aisle at the video store or flipping channels back when that was something one would do, um, you know, to, to try and find a horror movie to watch. And I have a very distinct memory of doing the ladder with him one like Saturday, like summer afternoon. And we ended up, we landed on the sci-fi channel and I think we went into it knowing that there were horror movies on at the time or they're doing a horror movie marathon. And it was just the mo- one of the more confounding movie experiences I've had where we went into this thinking we were watching a horror movie, but it was very bright. <laughs> it was very... The, the sort of production and the acting and the dialogue was very stilted and bizarre and I don't know if we knew it was a Friday the 13th movie going into it or not but we eventually hit the guide button and saw that oh this is like Friday the 13th part whatever and we both sort of looked at each other like this this is a Friday we hadn't seen a Friday the 13th movie before you know we knew who Jason Voorhees was um we had you know read his Wikipedia page and gathered some (laughs) newspaper clippings of but it was again. It was very strange, and it felt like in my memory. And I'm sure I'm exaggerating it in my memory, but it felt like you know, ten twenty minutes go by, and it was like a Friday the Thirteenth movie is about like kids at a house doing like outdoor activities, <laughs> and the sun is really bright, and like nobody gets hurt, and there's no there's no Jason Voorhees, and in a lot of ways that describes this movie but here is why i think it wasn't that movie because my most distinct memory of this viewing experience is that eventually there is a scene with um a middle-aged man and a young boy kind of around reggie the reckless's age who get in a canoe and they're canoeing which is what a canoe is for and they like hit a log and the man in like a totally like muted deadpan way says oh shoot we hit a snag and my friend and i just lost it and thought that that was like the most like ri- hilarious ridiculous like how did this happen b movie type thing and that has just been burned into my mind since then and i coded that as a friday the 13th movie thing so cut to a few months ago where i'm embarking on uh you know, put it pretty gravely, uh, we're getting ready to watch all of these movies. And, you know, not only in general do I just love these movies, but each time I watch one, I'm like, is this going to be the one with the canoe scene? Is this going to be the one with, <laughs> this has to be the one with the canoe scene. And I thought it was going to maybe be four, but I watch four. It's not four. I get to five and I'm about halfway into five. And I'm thinking like, you know, I'm just like salivating. Like this is gonna be. This has to be the one with the. Most of the things I remember, it's like just this house with this sort of ragtag collection of teenagers. It's very bright. <laughs> um, yeah. Nothing very horror movie esque at certain points is really happening. And I was convinced that was going to be it, but obviously, as, as as we both know, that's not it. There is no scene with a middle aged man and a kid canoeing. And this is very hard to Google because, as you know from watching the first one, there's a very famous scene 
involving a canoe. Yeah. So you can't Google Friday the 13th canoe because it's just going to give you results of that final scene from the first one. Yeah. And I've just gone down such rabbit holes on the internet trying to reverse engineer what this was. I'm thinking it might have been an episode of the TV series because there is a Friday the 13th TV series. And I'm guessing the production values are quite low, like what my friend and I were watching at the time on the Sci-Fi Network. Uh, that seems like very much like something the Sci-Fi Network would be running in the early 2000s. It's just like marathon episodes of the Friday the 13th series. But I've like I've gone so far as to like, are there like German edits of Friday the 13th Part Five that add inane scenes because they remove the violence and nudity and they need something long enough to run on television? And I've just I've just I've comb the corners of the internet trying to find evidence of this scene with the man in the canoe and the boy and we hit a snag so that's my fake history with the movie i guess my real history was i watched this a few months ago (laughs) had a blast the circumstances were great though so we watched rachel and i watched four on a friday night the friday the start of a two-week vacation so already confidence is high we had just gotten well, we we had gotten the, the night before we watched four. We got our second vaccination shots, and we're feeling pretty shitty the following day. And sort of coming down from that as we watch four, perfect pick me up. Uh, the next day, we we um, went out for a walk in beautiful Excelsior, Minnesota, um, which felt a lot like five. Um, there's beautiful trails in Excelsior that, that are well. Very woodsy, as one can find in Minnesota. Um, but there's also this part on the path <laughs> where there's like a, like an, I don't think, it, yeah, it, abandon's not the right word, but there's um, kind of a dilapidated barn and like what looks like abandoned, ag- abandoned agricultural machinery and a massive makeshift advertisement for some alternative news source because, um, as it claims, you know, other news is lying to you, which maybe you won't find that in a Friday the 13th movie, but I I felt in general like I was in a horror movie being at this weird crossroads on the path that we were on in what is seemingly like the middle of nowhere and came home and watched part five. When did it you watch great. one, two, and three, or did you do it out of out of order? Oh, I, I, no, I watched them in order. Um, I watched. I got into a pretty um, gratifying routine of watching uh, these on Wednesdays when we <laughs> did oh, yeah, not yeah. otherwise have much work to do. So I would sneak. I, I tended to watch a lot of them in, in segments. So I watched during your prep at school. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I watched. Yeah, I watched one on a Wednesday a few weeks before watching, which like sort of our days off. Um, a few weeks before watching uh, two and f- or four and five in quick succession, and then um, watched. Uh, well, I texted you about two. I think yeah, because I watched oh, on our day off that Wednesday with the day off. I watched one, and then two days later on a Friday night, Rachel and I watched two, and Saturday morning. I sent you a text that said something like, damn, part two's 
got some gigantic balls on it or something like that. Sounds about right. <laughs> is that with the the kid dancing in his in his bedroom? Is it that one? No, that's that's this that's the Nightmare on Elm Street sequel oh. part two. Okay, got the sequel right, but yeah, same number in sequence, but uh, different franchise. Yeah. Taryn, let's do the time warp. I'm not gonna sing. All right, time warp, baby. <laughs> Uh, this is where, I guess there is no analog for, for this from best thing I ever saw, but given that this is, look, this is stripped down. This is minimal. This is the acoustic version. If there were ever an acoustic version of best thing I ever saw, it would be best thing I ever chainsaw, uh, which I guess you'd need like, a an electric chainsaw, which is a thing. I think they make electric chainsaws, right? Sure. I don't All know. right. Good talk. We're doing the, look. We're doing the time warp uh, where we uh, look at the headlines, the history, the birthdays, the popular entertainment that was going on on the day the film in question was released. So Friday the thirteenth, the new beginning released Friday, March twenty second, nineteen eighty five. Uh, a year I would say we're still kind of still preoccupied with. What am I missing? All right, I'll wait for it. <laughs> Uh, headline, the most cheerful headline I could find, um, from, from, from March 22nd, 1985, Reagan says time is ripe for talks with Soviet chief. Taryn, you got Gipper thoughts? I'm still stuck on the 1985 thing. All I can think of is that terrible bowling for soups. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is it? Well, Sorry, she's still she's everything. still preoccupied with 1985. Oh, oh I'm exposing how dumb I am at times here. I guess we could only think that these talks with Soviet chief were good. They probably said, "Hey, in four years, let's get rid of the Berlin Wall." <laughs> also on that day, NASA launches IntelSat VAF10. Which we definitely did not have to Google. <laughs> That's a satellite. Born on this day, actor James Walk. Walk? Wark? Folk? Wolk? Who is this man? It looks like Folk, but instead of an F, it's a W. Wolk? Wolk. We'll go with that. So we What's your... Know. Let's say our favorite James Wolk project on the count of three. No, you. I only know him from... <laughs> like, there's going to be 30 seconds of silence. I only know him from two two things. So he had a brief arc in about the middle of Mad Men where he was uh, like a huckster con, con man who I only really remember because he part of his fake resume is that he went to Beloit College, which is somewhat close to where I grew up. But no, more more, more recently and more memorably, he's the villain or one of the villains in the HBO Watchmen series. Oh. Surprisingly, not that much older than us. I would have guessed, I don't know, 1985, that, right? he was, that he was older, a little bit older than us. Good for him. Happy birthday. I, I Googled him for reference, and I have never seen this man in my life. <laughs> never watched Watchmen? No. Add that to your superhero unit for next Maybe year. Maybe I will. 
Number one on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. You into it? Number Again, two. not singing. <laughs> number two, um, I only mentioned this because I was kind of bummed because I love this song. Uh, number two on the charts was Material Girl. Oh, wow. By Madonna. Yeah. Box office number one was this movie. It was the one week that it spent. Uh, number one, a new beginning. And it was a new beginning because pretty much every week, I think I'm remembering this right. So this, obviously, March 22nd. Um, every prior week of 1985, uh, Beverly Hills Cop was number one at the box office. But for one week a few weeks before this came out where witness was, was number one. So huh. Beverly Hills cop was a juggernaut. And I mean, maybe, it was, I mean, I love Beverly Hills cop. Maybe it also speaks to the fact that there's maybe not much else to see in the first few months of 1985, but damn, it, uh, enjoyed several weeks at the top only to be dethroned by sort of Jason himself. As I said, enjoyed one week. At number one until it had to uh, give it up to Police Academy 2, their first assignment. Taryn, you have a Bill Clinton-esque infatuation with Police Academy movies. Excuse me? I don't know. (laughs) What? (laughs) Well, you remember that, though, right? No, I don't. I've never seen those movies. Well, right, but you remember the... I mean, speaking of Friday the 13th, Part 5... The hilarious non sequitur of Bill Clinton talking about his, uh, I almost said Friday the 13th, his police academy marathon viewings with Chelsea when she was younger. No. I'm sorry. 2013, yeah, 20, it was at the 2016 convention when he gave his speech, a very otherwise lucid speech. Oh. I mean, I'm not surprised that this happened, but... And then I think he looked to enroll Chelsea in a bunch of uh, steam classes. Somebody stuck gum in her ear, too. <laughs> All right, look. That was time warp. <laughs> we should do that again. Sure. I'm learning. Figured out what that satellite was. So. Speaking of... Is he's not dead. Satellites... More like satellites. Uh, there are no stats. Look, if we had a movie that came out <laughs> after 1992, we would talk about it in reference statistically to its performance at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. But those didn't exist until 1992, seven years later. And Taryn would agree with you to learn that Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, was not nominated for any Academy Awards. I'm shocked. I wonder, usually I was... I was trying to get someone else to maybe... I was thinking maybe someone else would join us um, to help us cover the stats if there were any uh, to talk about. But there aren't. So no further help is needed. Thank God. <laughs> All right, what do you say? Should we get into this? Let's do it. Should we cut this one open? Yes. All right. I have my notes ready. How many pages of notes you have? Well, I'm using the notes app, so. Oh, all right. So we'll get into it. Scene, uh, getting the movie beat by beat here. Starting with the, uh, oh, I guess we have the Paramount logo. 
Were you surprised that these are Paramount properties? No, not really. I mean, they seem to be, since there are so many of them, they seem to be moneymakers. Um, I mean, we don't have our official stat provider here for us. But it did make $8 million on opening on opening weekend in 1985 um, and then proceeded to make about $22 million gross. That's the one statistic I found about things. Um, gross? Yeah. Describes the profits and when they when those two hillbillies exhume the body of Jason Voorhees. <laughs> uh, yeah, right at the beginning. Well, what I like about this one is thinking about it in the context of so many of the the other sequels and and the original is the it just gets into it and you're you know, you're following sort of fake Corey Feldman's legs as he walks to the makeshift gravesite of of Jason Voorhees and you know usually we talked a little bit about the the length of this movie at I think ninety two minutes Mm -hmm. which is a little long for a friday the 13th movie they're usually sub 90 minutes and a lot of the a lot of them start with like very belabored prologues that are just frame for frame (laughs) scenes from the previous movies so when you you watch when we watch two to prepare for um the horror sequels episode the start of two is like an uninterrupted five minute scene from the end of one okay um and that tends to be par for the course for a lot of the sequels so i i like the fact that uh this one just uh you know gets right into it and you're in the you're in the action or it kind of like again like star wars which is as we've established like this podcast how does the first one start again i'm trying to remember um i just watched this yesterday i should remember i think oh it starts with the um there's a woman um, trying to make her way to Camp Crystal Lake, just like hitchhiking. She has like the big, um, the big backpack with Taryn's the, miming a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to happen uh, with like the the rolled up sleeping bag, and she like stumbles upon this tiny town, walks into um, what seems to be like a cafe, maybe, and oh right, asks, right, right. How does she get there? Blah blah blah. Oh, but then she's dispatched with pretty quickly. Yeah. I remember so, yeah, I remember watching it thinking, Oh, that's here's our final girl. It like goes back and forth between her and what's happening at Camp Crystal Lake and she never actually makes it there. Um because the murderer picks her up and then Oh yeah, there's some murks her in the woods. There's some critter cam. <laughs> there's some great critter cam where and you think that maybe she's being or she thinks she's obviously we know because they've kind of established that when it's that POV shot, um, that it's that it's the killer, um, it's the critter, and <laughs> she maybe thinks it's yeah it's it's like a good Samaritan, but yeah, she is killed. Yeah, but I'm wondering. So did you? Oh no, you must have because oh, you're wait. using my iTunes. Because I know there's... I, wait, so I lied. So that's that's a part of the beginning, but the actual beginning is what is like the one of the first murders at Camp Crystal Lake. CCL. With like the 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 two camp counselors who are um like making out in a in an attic somewhere. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. And there's like 
it's kind of a fun look at like because aren't there there like some like vintage like area like era specific like board games and like yeah stuff like that and the yeah 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 it's a good vibe so that's that's how it starts off it gives you kind of like the not the entire background of camp crystal lake but a one particular murderous rampage and then goes into you know decades later of this girl trying to make her way to the camp and there's a bunch of other teenagers there that are tasked with cleaning it up and blah, blah, blah. Part one, pulling the reverse American pie. Hmm. I'm trying to remember, did I tell you my, do I do the American pie story with my friend Charlie on the teen comedy episode? I don't know, it's been a while since I listened to it. I tell this story a lot. I probably have because I tell this story a lot. It's not, I mean, it's kind of a story. It's like the story version of this podcast. A story is like best thing I ever saw. This, whatever this is going to be is like best thing I ever chainsaw. So, um, my friend Charlie was the first person I knew to see, uh, American Pie at a time where, you know, my friends and I, you know, we were old enough to see it. Certainly, none of our parents were going to rent it for us. I don't think any of us really had a relationship with an older sibling enough to, close enough to, like, convince them to rent it for us. But somehow, and I think, like, quite a few years before I even saw it, and that's saying a lot because I probably saw things a lot earlier than I should have as, uh, you know, preteen, middle schooler. But anyways, he he saw it first, and his one he was a bit of, uh, I, I guess he's kind of like a junior, if you can picture Junior from Friday the Thirteenth, A New Beginning. <laughs> he kind of had big Junior energy, of, <laughs> uh, and his one sentence review of American Pie was whole ends fucking. <laughs> I need to remove myself from the microphone. <laughs> um, so I, I wonder if, yeah, when they were almost 20 years later, when they're making American Pie, if they're thinking, look, Friday the 13th did it one way, whole beginning's fucking, let's do the reverse, <laughs> let's do the opposite of that. <laughs> Good old Charlie. Uh, (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Jason Voorhees, like, part of his M.O. is, like, killing people because of their bad morals or what have you? I mean, that's the legacy. That is sort of, like, the lowest common denominator legacy of the franchise. Gotcha. And, you know, people who have... I guess just fans. I was about to, in a very elaborate way, describe a fan. But fans of the franchise, you know, people who love these movies, watch them over and over again, um, sort of have the evidence to point out that it's not, like, really the case that often. And because there are so many of these, it got to a point, too, where it was very self-aware. And it kind of does that stuff sometimes in self-parody. Like, when Mm -hmm. we'll watch Nine eventually, I'm sure. Who couldn't? Um... (laughs) Because nine is like 
already 10 years removed from the start of the franchise you can there's like certain flourishes in in the dialogue and stuff in nine where it's like clearly they're self-aware of that being the the cliche about about the series um but it's not i mean it's kind of like that but it's not always like that you know there are people who who are intimate who may survive but i guess there are a lot of couples like mid-coitus who get double impaled but yeah <laughs> so back to the beginning the, yeah, so the beginning of this movie i wrote in my notes the very first thing that i wrote was it's the stand by me kid yeah in quavo glasses so cory feldman uh, not only Cor- Corey Feldman, a special appearance by Corey Feldman. Oh, that is indicated <laughs> in the credits, yes. Well, I mean, the first time I watched it, I thought, okay, is he in it again? Because it seems just, I don't know, there's like a weird like deflation to it where it's like, well, okay, it's just <laughs> a special appearance of Corey Feldman in the rain, shuddering, saying nothing, never to be seen again. And part of the back round is that and we we talked off mic about how he's he's in part four one that you haven't seen yet uh he was supposed to be in part five was part five was just supposed to be a natural continuation um so to speak um but he was getting way too hot and i think he was he was about no it's funny so i think a, a lot of a lot of behind the scenes stuff that i'll share comes from um the book uh, Crystal Lake Memories, which is either based on the documentary or vice versa, and just the way, just these the the very sweet way that uh, like the the meteoric rise of Corey Feldman is described by the author is 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 pretty charming. But yeah, I think I think it was this overlapped with um, him starting to do Goonies at the time, so they couldn't. That makes sense. Um, they couldn't get Corey Feldman. Why they don't also just get? a similarly aged actor is very bizarre because I think that's why Reggie the Reckless is his age because it was supposed to be similarly aged Corey Feldman oh, and Reggie okay. the Reckless. Because instead they just get like a a kid who's supposed to be, what, like 17, 18 years well, old? Oh, yeah, seven. So it's supposed mute? to be, yeah, he's supposed, so John Shepard playing grown-up Tommy, Tommy Jarvis. Jarvis is, I I don't know where some of the the facts and so the book Crystal Lake Memory says it's it's five years later and that Corey Feldman Corey Feldman's character in four is twelve so that would make John Shepard's Tommy Jarvis seventeen which is <laughs> I mean more than a little insane but I, I guess uh, they just sort of ran with it I I think partially because again another behind the scenes story is that. Um, the director, Danny Steinman, was in love with John Shepard's audition. Um, and he said he looked f- at like hundreds of Tommy Jarvis's. I don't know if he looked at an age range of, of Tommy Jarvis's, but he just. What did um, that audition entail? Standing there mute or like beating well, somebody so up? So he was. <laughs> so the two so, so apparently, so John Shepard, who I don't think acts anymore or really acted much thereafter. Um, was an aspiring method actor at the time. And I don't know if there's like a range to method acting, but was, I guess with my knowledge of the whole situation, pretty hardcore method to the extent that he describes showing up to the interview, um, in a sweatsuit 
and while waiting for his name to be called, he would run up and down the fire escape to both like tire himself out and get really sweaty and to just like all around be off putting. Um, and that, yeah, so that was basically, so that was, yeah, I'm sure he was there. I, he must've auditioned, but I guess he didn't really have that many lines. I wonder what the audition scene would have been, um, because he doesn't really have like much, many, many, many speeches or anything like that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's just some funny anecdotes about him, um, being a little or g- g- getting on people's nerves on set because of how how method he was um apparently hmm. the actor who plays joey was just like very eye rolly and over it and was just like can you just fucking act and like <laughs> stop with this stupid method stuff yeah john Shepard, kind of a for friday the 13th movie. yeah <laughs> uh oh can he and yeah this is again it's all just from that book and it's you know, it's been talked about on other podcasts before but he volunteered at a nearby sanitarium essentially to just like kind of further get in character leading up to production. Um, and he wouldn't talk. I mean, I, obviously as part of being method, he wouldn't really talk to anybody on set. And he was, I had had him described or heard him described as a born again, Christian. I think he, maybe he was at least a Christian Christian. Um, and a, his stunt man or like the stunt coordinator was also like a very devout or like outwardly Christian guy. And he talks in the book about like the one time he broke on set was to like engage in normal conversation with the stunt coordinator and they bonded over being Christian. And the stunt coordinator said something like, like very loud in front of the crew, like, Hey, Oh, cause like a third guy was Christian. And said, like, hey, other guy, uh, like, John is a brother in Christ. And the whole crew is like, oh, okay. Cool story. Yeah. <laughs> sort of took the wind out of his whole uh, method thing that he had going on. Um, also, the stunt coordinator was named Dick Warlock. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dick Warlock, brother in Christ. That's an, that's a biography <laughs> name if I ever heard one. But yeah, we get Corey Feldman. We get a special appearance by Corey Feldman in a very Georgie from It vibes with the, the yellow raincoat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yellow raincoat, Quavo glasses. <laughs> they have the match cut to John Shepard waking up in the van in the Quavo glasses. the The only other note I have for the the cold open is I remembered the. The creepy crawlers being creepier and crawlier. Oh. But watching it, because I, I had some anxiety going into this viewing thinking I was riding so high the first time I saw it. I want to expose other people to this movie. I hope I didn't oversell a lot of things. And for the most part, I don't think I did. And not like the selling point is like, there's bugs on Jason when they take him out of his grave. But I remembered it being like a lot more disgusting. And not only is it not that disgusting, like it just looks terrible. It's just like, it's like a dozen gray. um, Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank. What's the, is there a more specific name for that type of, worm not like an earthworm but uh i don't know 
I got nothing. Yeah. Grew up by a bait shop. <laughs> and I still can't remember. But anyways, yeah, yeah. They look they don't look so great. Yeah. Well then he's also buried with machete <laughs> yeah. and whatever that stabby thing was that wasn't a knife. <laughs> yeah. It's like they they might as well have like buried him in his Planet Hollywood display case as he would appear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I guess it is technically a dream though. So oh, all yeah, is yeah, fair, yeah, that's true. but still, I don't. I doubt they were really giving it that that degree of um, forethought. Anything else on the opening? I don't think so. Um, yeah. I keep with you having your notes on my phone. My seat, yeah, with you having your notes on your phone, I keep thinking you're like you're texting or receiving a text, sending a text. And I mean, I had done that. Just earlier, imagine you saying during one of your many stories podcasting now shook <laughs> i'm live tweeting the event uh we're in, we're in a car ride we got oh. grown up tommy jarvis being driven to pinehurst uh, youth development center <laughs> we meet billy <laughs> wait which one's billy billy's the grab the ear flick the tongue mustache bald oh, he's that's the creepy right, that's right. Um, there's too many just like basic male names in this movie for me to remember who's who. Um, yeah, I have a lot of Billy thoughts. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on Billy. Um, my first of all, he's reading yep. just very openly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like a porn magazine. And you could tell that the cinematographer, who was by some accounts, and I don't qualify it like that to say that allegedly but um so the actress who plays the i guess who you would call the final girl um pam um said like there's plenty of accounts of the director being a pain in the ass but she said by far the worst person to have to deal with was the cinematographer so assuming he was shooting this next to john shepherd in the back seat I mean, he must have said, uh, hey, you got to hold the the nudie mag up higher because we can't see it perfectly in the shot. Like, you know how you read nudie mags in a way that you hold it so the camera behind you can see them? You can, like, lean into the middle of the vehicle (laughs) and hold it up (laughs) so that you're not actually looking at the the page that the cinematographer needs to see. But, ugh. No, I, I, um... I, one of my notes is, can he be murdered first, please? I just... So <laughs> skeezy. And I was really hoping that that was just going to be the the one and only time that we saw him. And like, maybe... I don't know, he would get murdered on their drive away. But I'm like, eh, it's probably too early in the movie. Um, but yeah, I'm just... Sometimes I'm they like, come what? back. <laughs> Sometimes they, they do come back, and they're even worse. <laughs> Well, that was my only car ride. No, yeah, I just have nudie mag. And then we go into the credits. I wrote this all in sequence because then we have the credits. Usually for one of these movies, something happens to the logo. This time it explodes (laughs) with the Jason mask. And then you get the turnaround Jason mask. And then um, it's like mask POV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reminding us that in a way we're all Jason. We all drown in a lake as a child. 
Now I want to murder everybody. Man, and special appearance by Corey Feldman. We talked about that. I guess they're just credits. Do you have credit thoughts? No, the only thing that I remember was the, the special appearance by Corey Feldman. And I'm like, oh, that's that kid's name. Of course. <laughs> this is an, an 80s movie with a, with a white male child. Of course he's here. Then they approach the the sanitarium. And just the one thing, I mean, this is kind of slight, but it just, I don't know. It hit me um, from all angles. So the you see the van drive up at Pinehurst Youth Development Center, but then it says private. And it just, it reminded me of like a Simpsons-esque joke where <laughs> you would like see the van driving and then it would have the reveal of the sign saying private. And then the van would just be like, whoop, never mind. And just like make a U-turn <laughs> and drive back. And that would be the end of the movie. That's it. We meet uh we meet Pam. The assistant director. She's got some bangs on her. I wrote down bang thoughts. <laughs> so you're the resident bang expert. Am I? I don't know. I haven't had Have bangs you ever had since, bangs? Not since you've known me. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. No. You had that short haircut for yeah, that, was, that was a choice. Intercession decompression session. I'm sad that there are photos documenting that. Um, no, she. I did have a thought of that. Like Pam's hair was very reminiscent of my mother's hair when I was younger. Because <coughs> my mom had the the bangs like that. Well, she looks. A little, I don't. Maybe this is crazy, but when I Pam reminds me of a mutual friend of ours who I'll mention off mic. Um, <laughs> And what's funny is that there's a, a lot of the behind-the-scenes testimonials have a lot to do with, with costuming. Not surprisingly, it's a very low-budget movie. Half the time, it seemed, um, actors were allowed to pick their own costumes. So apparently, the, <laughs> the pop-and-locker Violet, <laughs> the actress who played Violet, she kind of dictated what she would wear and some of what she wore was were her own clothes there was some drama with the actress who played tina like wanting to use her own clothes versus what the what the costumer had picked out and um, there's a lot from the actress who plays pam complaining about how terrible the costuming was but what really stuck out to me on the second watch was that the the wardrobe is like very normal like it looks like a lot of stuff you could get away with today in 2021, which is so different from a lot of the entries in the franchise where it's like, Oh my gosh, like what a time capsule this is. Like when we watch seven, I mean, seven is like an algorithm came up with everything because it got like eighties juice spilled on it. And (laughs) it's, it's, Oh man. But yeah, this is cause yeah. So she complains a lot about her costume, but her costume was, I don't know. It looked pretty normal right she's got like yeah. that button down on tucked into some mom jeans um yeah, it was very yeah basic for the time yeah there was nothing that stood out to me in, in, in with her wardrobe in particular that seemed out of place or like supremely 80s or anything like that no one's wearing supreme you mentioned supreme That's true. um they didn't have collabs they all them. missed the drop Taryn's moving away to laugh again. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> I was thinking of all the the students who run to the bathroom in order to 
purchase Supreme drops so then they can resell them. <laughs> on lucrative. <laughs> I don't blame him. Uh, we meet Reggie. How long do you think he was waiting in that closet to scare? So, <laughs> like, what if Tommy just never opened the closet? <laughs> so, Reggie is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Because he, for many reasons, but he proclaims that he is Reggie the Reckless. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, 12-year-old, you do that. Uh, but He's also, even got Gramps on it. Gramps, the one time Gramps later <laughs> calls, calls him Reggie the Reckless. <laughs> and he pay, he like slips him a little royalty check. <laughs> but um, Reggie is the only, the only person in this movie that scared me with a stupid fake spider. Yeah. yeah. It was the one time I jumped. Well, so going, so we'll we'll have a few stock awards uh, later, similar to to best thing I ever saw. One of which will be best scare, like we did on the on the horror episode. Um, I went into this. I would have gone into this saying from memory from the first viewing that be- biggest scare for me was the spider in the closet. Yeah, but I was prepared for it. I had no idea. And because I was so prepared for it, I forgot that it's a tit for tat. And Tommy oh, puts on masks. one of his masks and scares him back. So I was distracted by feeling myself that I wasn't going to be scared by the spider this time. And I forgot it. And that totally scared the shit out of me, the thing with the mask. <laughs> so first viewing, oh. best scare is the spider. Second viewing, best scare is those stupid masks, which well, are so- a carryover from four. He okay. make, he's like, uh, he's very... Is it like a coping mechanism or something? Like... I was really trying to figure that out. Yeah, no, no, because yeah, Corey Corey Feldman in part four makes monster movie masks for reasons unknown. And I don't think I only saw four I've only watched four the one time. I don't think they really become a like it's not a plant for anything i was waiting for, i remember yeah, watching yeah. it and thinking like oh these will play a role later i guess just in the sense that like he kind of becomes slash doesn't become jason oh, at the end and yeah. jason wears a mask in well, a monster like, movie it's very i don't know like the scene that that happens it's very kind of clown car-esque where he just keeps pulling out like mask after mask and yeah. there's like yeah. five of them <laughs> yeah. just laid out on the bed so weird. And then, then that accompanied with dawn. <laughs> like the very child, like stop. Come on. Come on, Reggie the Reckless. Ah, uh, then we meet Ethel. Oh, Ethel and Junior. <laughs> they made the movie. Oh for me. yeah. Um. So reportedly. So the actress who played Ethel, and it, it, it seemed like it was hit or miss. Like, I, I think, you know, certain general accounts of the production, as was, like, most of the time the case in the 80s, you know, there was cocaine everywhere, used often by the director and, you know, by, by other people in, involved in the in the cast and crew, Um but if you if you read the if you read the the chapter on on this uh, particular movie, it seemed like you know you either were like on the director's good side or not, and people either like really got along with him or hated him. But he yeah he seemingly really had like really good working relationships with the actress who played Ethel and the actor who played Demon, who he just let kind of do their thing. And he apparently there's a 
I mean, it totally makes sense that they had to work around and maybe leave on the cutting room floor certain scenes with Ethel because they were just laughing too hard because they just let her go. And she was just going for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, well, she's, it, she's great. <laughs> having, not, having only seen this one and then the original, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, does this have, like, I was getting vibes of um oh what's that movie with the the like cannibals in the woods that are all hills have eyes yeah i was like please tell me that something is gonna happen with this (laughs) and that like somehow in the end it's uh, her weird son that just rides around on a motorcycle screaming things that ends up being a murderer (laughs) oh we have to pee oh pee break pee break let's do it Back into Ethel and Junior. Yeah, so I have, um, I you know I really I cleared my head and my bladder, and because my so my one note for this part with with Ethel and Junior is um, you've seen all of the Mandalorian, right? Yes. Uh, so I have Amy Sedaris in the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, John. Oh, that's Fav- so true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, holy yeah, because John Favreau had to be like Amy. Have you seen? Friday the 13th, part five. <laughs> and I made the connection on my way to the bathroom that the actress uh, who plays Ethel, whose name I can't remember, um, mentions Carol how... Carol Yeah. Uh, we've talked about how low, kind of scrappy and low budget it is, and sometimes you kind of just used your own stuff. And she talks about how she used, um, or how, how they use such sparse... Um, makeup with her and she looked ridiculous and so she would like rub dirt on her face and she used her own wig Uh. and she said that i'm guessing because like the crew didn't like that or like want her using her own wig for some reason um like the the makeup artist was like oh like we'll hold on to that for you and they never gave it back to her. And I'm guessing it made it all the way to the set of The Mandalorian <laughs> to be used by Amy Sedaris. <laughs> which is I, not a Mandalorian podcast, but such a strange, out-of-focus character is that Amy Sedaris. Not, not like in concept, but like she looks ridiculous. Well, d- uh, again, not a Mandalorian <laughs> podcast, but that character reminds me of um, what's it? I don't know names, but in the Phantom Menace, the like blue guy that flies. Oh, around. Watto. <laughs> Darren is again. Watto. Did <laughs> Miming. Just miming Watto on a backpacking trip. He's backpacking through uh, Moss Eisley or something. <laughs> um, back to Ethel though. Not the Mandalorian. Um, she at one point, like when she when she makes her grand entrance and um, starts yelling at the sheriff, and she, you know, demands that the as she puts it, the loony bin gets shut down. Um, but she also threatens the the sheriff, like saying, "I have a bomb on me," <laughs> and like <laughs> there's zero reaction from anybody. <laughs> Except for Junior, who's like, you tell him, Ma. And she's like, shut the fuck up, kid. (laughs) Oh, I need Ethel energy in my life. (laughs) 
We cut to Chekhov's axe head. What? Vic chopping wood. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about this part. Oh. I saw it yesterday. <laughs> I mean, this is the this is the part. You know, why we're sitting here today doing this is is because of this scene for me. Oh, really? Um I mean, amongst other things, you're begging the question, so is Joey really that good at doing laundry? (laughs) Oh, I mean. And I think, um, I mean, part of it is, yeah, I mean, I I love these Friday the 13th movies, so it helps that it's, you know, wrapped in this Friday the 13th, I don't know, skin, blanket, um, but I've seen a fair amount of the canonical, you know, so bad, they're good, mostly from the 80s horror movies. And, I, you know, something like a sleepaway camp comes to mind that beat for beat has a lot more of this type of stuff in it. But I just, for some reason, I mean, I just cherish so much of this. I mean, it's just so so ridiculous i mean you in a world where you could have had your inciting incident be anything it is one of the characters likes chocolate bars (laughs) and has a run-in with the two girls and ruins the laundry and then makes the i guess a guy who is sociopathic angry to the extent that he murders him but just the fact that because I remember, I mean, this is how I pitched it to you a few months ago. Was like, I'm watching these Friday the 13th movies. This one in the middle is ridiculous. Uh, and there's a scene where they have one of the characters with a chocolate bar nearly coming out of every orifice. And that was my big anxiety. I was like, is is the chocolate bar scene not going to be as funny? Or are there? was I making up, you know, half of the chocolate bars? But he's got... Well, he's got like one in both sweatshirt pocket. He's got one coming out of like a fake, like where you would by today's standards have like a cell phone pocket. Right. But that's just a basic sort of like gym full zip sweatshirt with one sort of defying the laws of physics coming out of a breast pocket. (laughs) And he either has ones in his pants pockets or there's like, inexplicable tabs in his pants pockets that look like the ends of chocolate bars. Yeah. <laughs> it's just why? Yeah, as you mentioned, he's got a chocolate bar mustache. Um, it's all over his fingers. Yeah, it just, yeah, just, just the just telegraphing everywhere. of the, like, of course the, the girls are doing laundry. Of course, he's going to immediately get chocolate on the whites. Right. It's just, it's, uh, there was something special uh, in the air that day. What are your thoughts on chocolate bar scene? Um, I mean, it, it was funny at points, um, <laughs> but like the... The clean freak in me was like, don't you dare oh, I know. touch yeah, yeah. that white sheet. And I knew it was going to happen, of course. Um, and, and going into the moving on from the two women when he talks to, what's his name? Vic? Vic. Um, and like, there's a lot of aggression coming out with that axe even before he, you know, 
cuts Joey to pieces. Um, and I'm just assuming that Joey is going to do something stupid, like put his hand down and then like, <laughs> have his, his, his like pants inexplicably fall down right. with like a spring sound effect. <laughs> Um, I but I was fully not expecting this guy to just go at him. <laughs> um, is it the first kill of the movie? If no. you don't count the hillbillies in the in the beginning in the dream, okay. Because that I mean that's pretty gnarly, right? Well, yeah, I didn't I. I, you know, just I watched it for the first time just a few, and I think I had seen that before. And then and again, it all runs together with the now famous um, "We Hit a Snag" canoe scene <laughs> story that you can't find online. But, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I swear I had seen the chocolate bar scene before because sitting there a few months ago watching it, I'm thinking like this seems. Or was Very it, familiar. Or was it something that was recreated in a, in a newer movie? Because I, I know I had never seen this movie before. I've never seen clips. Well, I think because they steal that from The Godfather, I think. There's a scene where, like, Sonny has chocolate. He's sort of, he's doing a bunch of pratfalls, and he has Maybe. chocolate bars coming out of every orifice. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm also looking something up right now to try to figure out. But no, there is something. It's like it's a kid with chocolate. All it's like I had like a deja vu moment where I'm like I've never seen this, but there's something very familiar about this kid and his mannerisms and just everything. Well, so he I has a like very the, so the actor has a very impressionable face. I would say there's just something like familiar about it too. And as I said, I you know, I, I find yeah, this is I I love this scene so much. I think it's hilarious and I mean truthfully, I think maybe I'm fooling myself. Like the enjoyment for me isn't like, oh, like haha, a you know, quote unquote slow person is like doing weird. It's it's like doing like funny things because that's funny. It's just it's the very overt movie makingness of it. It's like he's got yeah. to be spurned by the two girls. What are we going to do? He loves chocolate bars. He loves chocolate bars. <laughs> Let's put 10 chocolate bars on him sort of thing. But I mean, I kind of sh- I shudder um because again, in the book, the actor said that they had something, you know, given that they were already working with the premise that he was an exceptional child, they were like nine times out of 10 going to go in a different direction. But he kind of sidled up to the director and said, oh, no, no, like, this is how I see it. And they're like, oh, like, that's brilliant. But I, I again, I kind of cringe thinking like, what were they going to do with this like yeah. developmentally challenged or whatever the correct terminology is character um, given how, yeah. Uh. <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, he does have that. He's the only other character that we get a little bit of backstory. I mean, other character in terms of like the people that are, the kids that are at this um, hospital, I, whatever. 
Um, Youth Development Center. Thank you. I knew there was an actual term that was used. Uh, but yeah, he's the only one that we get some sort of background with. Like, we learn that his mom died in childbirth and that his dad has abandoned him and, well, and then he's kind he, of been bounced around from place to place and now he's here. He sinks into... So both he and the the actor playing your favorite character, Billy, <gasps> um, on separate occasions, like, sink into, like, a vaudevillian accent a little bit um, where he's, he's... When he's talking to Vic... He he's like he's like oh like Vic like some like something something like on account of me being an orphan and all, and then as, <laughs> right. as we'll as we'll talk about you know with the, the cocaine scene in the car where he's like he, the, the, the the Billy, Billy actor does that a little bit too but yeah he's like on account of me being a little little orphan boy, <laughs> and the first time I had watched this I thought. Oh, I played the wrong movie. This is a 22, 30 minutes um, prolonged opening sequence to a Naked Gun movie. Also, never seen Naked oh. Gun. Because then you get like Your the jokes are not landing you get, today. You buddy. get the old, you get like <laughs> the that era police car cam driving oh, okay. up, just like the intro to a Naked Gun movie. All right, you tried. <laughs> Hopefully people listening understood. I'm sorry. I failed. <laughs> Has Rachel seen Naked Gun? That's my only hope. <laughs> Maybe tonight I'll be like, oh, what do you want to watch? Naked Gun? <laughs> 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 and then, yeah, I mean, to, to transition out of this scene, they really telegraph that the next scene is going to have two wayward greasers <laughs> trying to fix their car. <laughs> this is my favorite, completely irrelevant moment in this movie. Just, I, initially when I saw the two guys, I'm like, okay, are we going back in time? And we're learning more about the background of, of Jason or whomever. But no, <laughs> it's just two guys. We don't know where they're going. Or do we? Well, they're meeting up with oh, some girls with some girls because we get a pretty uh, we get a pretty searing seaward drop. That's oh, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, saying like these two so and so aren't going to wait forever. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh man, but I'm just like yeah, I am all about fifties greasers <laughs> stuck in the woods <laughs> fixing their cars, and they're obviously going to get murdered because it's all that happens. Um, and what are your thoughts on this? Well, this is, yeah, I, everything you have said, and in, in particular this time, watching it in the context of, of taking, of watching it a little more closely, taking notes on it, the, my biggest laugh throughout the whole movie is there's the exchange between the oh. two of them where the one who goes to leave says, I'm going to take a crap. And the other one says, crap my ass, which is hilarious on two levels. One, because why don't you believe him? Like, what What else, what else he would he be going to do? But he re- his delivery of crap my ass sounds like an order. Like, that's like, he's <laughs> like, he's telling him to crap his ass. He says, crap my ass. <laughs> and the idea of dictating to a person that they crap your ass is How- funny to me. 
how this movie didn't win an, an Oscar, I will never know. <laughs> Crap my ass. Can we, can we talk about the the ways in which they are murdered? Yeah, pretty <laughs> satisfying. I mean, the 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 flare. Oh man, the flare in the mouth is pretty sweet. That was pretty <laughs> epic. Also, with that one and a few others in particular, I noticed that they don't. A, a lot of the kills they show the aftermath of, right? But they don't show the yeah. aftermath of that one. And there's a couple other times where they don't show it. Um, I'm not gonna. I won't get into specifics until we address those later. But um, because it's it's kind of formulaic in how the murders happen, and it's just like um, person is alone generally. <laughs> um, we we get like a a murderer POV for a second, and then um, like the attack happens. Um, and then we get to see, we see you know that they're dead. Um, the flare, not so much. You just see it lit, shoved in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and how does the how does the other guy die? I don't. He gets his throat slit. It's, oh it's yeah, it was really little, basic. It's decently tense. Yeah, 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 it's not the scariest thing ever. But that's There's in a, a, lot in, of a throat in a slitting. in a in a horror movie without the most horrific sort of. Uh, suspenseful scenes that's one of the more suspenseful ish ones is that then the one that comes up shortly after with uh <laughs> billy and lana oh and right before he's killed he's like singing oh. a song yeah 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 i knew you would have it written down <laughs> because i'm like how are you this jovial right now? just forget this Ario Speedwagon bullshit. <laughs> right. A rat tat 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 I am. Or, they were both, you know, transplanted from the 50s into the 80s. So. Well, that was another one of those situations where, at least according to the actors, they're like, oh, yeah, Danny just really let us run with it. And we chose, like, the situation and the costumes. So I don't think the script bizarre. said, by the way, they're greasers. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, Danny, I've been working on this greaser character. That just baffles me. Because, <laughs> like, at first, I'm like, okay, they're just, they're wearing leather jackets, whatever. But they really did have, like, the slicked back hair and the rat. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And then, of course, one of their names is Vinny. So, yes, you are either a 50s greaser or a member of the mob. <laughs> so, Because who's the other? Pete was the other one. That's right. Um, we're about to serve breakfast. Oh yeah, 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 and it made me wonder: Does Gramps hate junk food more than Luke from Gilmore Girls hate cell phones? <laughs> As they both have Ghostbusters signs around their workstation, this is no junk food, which really flies in the face of the laissez-faire. Um, like authority system that they pitched to uh, Tommy in a few scenes earlier. They're right. like, oh, it's an honor system. You can do whatever you want. Just don't eat any junk food. <laughs> don't eat any junk food. I wrote down, is this when um, there's like a shirtless scene of Tommy and he's just like ripped. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. This is not expected. 
I don't know if this was before or after breakfast. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, that's after. It's after. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure it's after. Because I think it's. Note. I think it's after. Because there's a few. It's the scene where he eat where he eats <laughs> where he takes <laughs> he scrambles to take a pill. Is that the scene? Because he's looking in the mirror. He sees Jason in the mirror. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he pours That's a dump truck full of pills on his night or his desk or dresser and takes one. Um. But yeah, breakfast where everybody forgets that Joey's dead. And <laughs> Vic was hauled off. Well, so, so Gramps says something like, "Oh, I don't think." Joey and Vinny will be having, joining us, yeah, ha- yeah, be joining us. And then Reggie says, "Yeah, like ever." <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, Reggie, come on!" But it's like they're kind of equally in bad taste. What was right. so much different with what Reggie said? Uh, it was a great Popeye. I don't, I didn't realize this the first time, but there's a pretty cool, like, I guess it wasn't vintage at the time, but Popeye cookie jar up oh, I on didn't the it. like buffet like armoire ish thing that's okay. in the that's on the set i really want that cookie jar i imagine <laughs> it's a cookie jar it's just like a, a pop unless it's just a popeye um, ancient popeye bust <laughs> ancient popeye bust. and then eddie hasn't they're they're looking for eddie and then eddie shows up and scares oh, he scares yeah, yeah 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 he scares um Tommy. Oh, and then he flips out. Yeah. Breaks the table and starts because, yeah. beating the shit out of him. And I love it. Again, it's just one of those little, like, B-movie flourishes. So Eddie shows up with the mask. Eddie from the neck down. And when he takes <laughs> off the mask, there is this affect on the actor's face. Like, no, guys, it's me, Eddie. <laughs> like, you couldn't tell? <laughs> Maybe it's because he wasn't wearing his sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) We open on Taryn's favorite scene. What is it? Oh, ripped Tommy Jarvis? (laughs) Well, I have the diner scene. Oh, oh, that happens. Okay, because we already talked about it. I was just very (laughs) thrown off by shirtless Tommy Jarvis. Um, Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, so again, lots of things about Billy to say, but um, <laughs> so Billy shows up and like has an awkward or like, you know, is there to pick up his date, Lana, 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 yeah, um, and <laughs> they do a little bit of flirting, whatever, um, but then <laughs> there's a moment, um, in. Like the bathroom or something where she's changing and she just rips open her shirt and says, it's showtime. And all I think about is, is it like Bowser from Super Mario Brothers that says that? Like when he like comes out to to fight? Topless. (laughs) Topless, of course. I'm like. Who says that? I mean, I guess it's to pump yourself up, but Bowser is the only one I can come up with. When he So he claims that the script just said, the actor playing Billy claims that the script just said, you know, Billy, Billy shows up at diner. 
<laughs> waiting for Lana or calling to Lana. Yeah. Implying that he apparently ad-libbed the whole, the whole like forecast and the, the, the spreading out of the cocaine and, <laughs> and all of that. Which leads me to believe that that was legitimate cocaine. <laughs> well, I can't, no, I can't remember because they, it, it was whatever people at least at the time used to cut cocaine with because he he says specifically he says something in his testimonial like here i am with a nose full of blah 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 being i guess what someone in the know would recognize as um i don't know what cocaine at least in the mid 80s gets cut with (laughs) pretty good kill Big old axe head to the melon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which happened so many times in this movie. <laughs> the cat kind of got me that time, too. Oh. I don't know if as much as the spider. Every time I see an animal in a horror movie, I'm just like, I swear if anybody murders the animal, I'm going to be so upset Ooh. by this movie. But cat's fine. We might have to give you a lot of prep before part two. Okay. <laughs> And part, what part, is it part, they, they kind of run together, but they, because they, they chopped the snake up in one. Oh, yeah, that's, whatever. And it's, they kill it, I, I don't, obviously not for real, but a dog is mutilated in two, well, which is like pretty affecting, it's pretty distressing. It's a, well, well, You don't see that. it, you see the aftermath of it, but it's, uh, it's not my favorite scene in part two. And I'm trying to... I think it's four, because all like one, two, three, and four all have scenes with teens, or I guess kids in their early twenties driving to camp. Yeah, and I think it's four that has a driving to camp scene where there's like roadkill or something. No, that's that's. I think maybe it's a rabbit or something. So kind of used to that. The best is yet to come. Dead animal wise, Darren is what I'm trying to say. Great. So nothing on Lana's. I I didn't write anything down specifically too, but nothing on her little like conversation with herself. Her little like, uh, I've got Lana here behind the threshold of the door that you can't see, and I'm going to check in about whether she wants to party with Billy. I think I was still so affected by the it's showtime moment. (laughs) (laughs) Did not register with all of that. And she just gets like stabbed in the stomach, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because hers is kind of an anticlimactic death. They should have brought the cat back. Not to kill it, but just for the cat to (laughs) see that she died. I think then is when we get... It might not be the Tommy moment you you reference, um, shirtless Tommy, but (laughs) then there's the scene he's looking... um, He's up in his bedroom. He's looking out onto the lawn. Oh, and he sees a family of chickens. And then you cut back to Tommy, and then you cut, and it's Jason. And yeah. I thought, wait, this whole time Jason's been a family of chickens? <laughs> Just like seven chickens, chickens on top of each other? Wearing a picture. <laughs> and like uh, in an auto mechanic suit? <laughs> and one of them has an opposable thumb. <laughs> um, but you like the topless part. I mean, I'm human, um, but <laughs> it just like threw haircut? me for a loop. What? 
Oh, I said, even with that haircut. I wasn't looking at the haircut. Well, so but apparently also, he... Or what were you going to say? Well, I'm just... It was... It threw me for a loop because there's... I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting the the, the sheer number of just topless women <laughs> scenes because mm. it it's young girls in the 80s and it's a horror movie. Um, so it just threw me for a loop. But you were going to say, you're talking about the Well, aspect. he, part of his method method was that he studied. Haircuts? Corey, sort of. Corey Feldman's performance in part four. Oh. And to align himself with the look of Corey Feldman, switched the part of his hair, which is kind of tricky. It's like yeah. not the easiest thing to do. So he started parting his hair differently. And to, I guess, it's not completely clear in his description of it but to facilitate that he cut his hair in an unconventional way aesthetically but it was i guess somehow conducive to making him reverse his part but his hair just looks kind of all chopped and screwed up and ridiculous i mean it seems to fit the character so yeah his method worked (laughs) Get a little mayor scene. Oh, <laughs> who's apparently Vinny all grown up? Like, <laughs> just very. I, where where is this supposed to take place? Where is Camp Crystal Lake? Does it ever indicate like a state? Well, the, so the first three movies are shot in New New York, New Jersey, and I think it's kind of based on or inspired by like a New Jersey. Sleepaway camp. Okay, because that makes sense with the mayor. So I, I guess, yeah. So I mean, anyone's best guess would be New Jersey, but this one was the second to be to be shot in California. Um, not that that means it's set in California, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's it's supposed to just be sort of like you know seaside, outstate New York, New Jersey. Okay. Hence the greasers in the fifties, and the. Very, like, stereotypically, like, (laughs) Italian-American mayor. Well, so it's the actor, the actor of the character, his, yeah, the actor. So the actor is Rick Mancini. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Most Italian name ever. There you go. Only thing I have for this is he, we get, like, an unironic squeeze me where he's, (laughs) he's talking with the sheriff and he leans in and puts his hand to his ear, (laughs) but, like, in a sincere way. Which, you know, people do all the time. Well, and of course, uh, like, the, the sheriff tells him, he's like, I think I know who it is. Pretty sure it's Jason Voorhees. And the mayor's like, very, just gregariously, he's dead. He was cremated. There's no way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because he's like, you wanted Jason Voorhees. Here's your Jason Voorhees. <laughs> but he gives him the ashtray. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because he's like, no, Jason Voorhees is Ash. Here's a proxy for that. An Ash Trey. (laughs) Which, again, like... (laughs) No, I think you meant to pour the ash in his hand. (laughs) (laughs) He was also a method actor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things get a little hot and heavy. We got uh, Tina and Eddie. Oh, Tina, that's her name. 
by the uh, by the laundry line. Uh, so she claims the actress uh, who plays Tina claims that she got the role because all of the previous women auditioning were not saying "fuck you" flirtatiously. Which I mean, I I've never auditioned for a, a, hmm. a film before. I'm sure it's very nerve wracking. It can be hard to sort of in, um, you know, intuitively presume what the tone is implied by just a, a naked script. But I'd like to know what how these women were delivering it because there's this back and forth between her right. and Eddie, and Eddie says something like, "Oh, we can't go into the woods and screw because." Um, you know, I, I, he's either talking about Matt or the sheriff is going to get us in trouble again. And he says, you know, fuck him. And then she says, fuck you, like flirtatiously. <laughs> Does he say like, yeah, fuck me? <laughs> like, well, I mean, like that, that, like, yeah, like that's the the intent. But it's like we're all the other actresses like saying it really like aggressively. Like she's ain't like, why would she be saying like, fuck you in a sort of average fuck you way to him. It just doesn't make any Well, and also, it's the only sense. thing those two characters do is flirt and bang. <laughs> like, there's no other <laughs> there's no other context that you need for the two of them. This summer on TNT. <laughs> flirt and bang. Flirt and bang. <laughs> <laughs> it's a buddy cop show. <laughs> Speaking of which, I guess they're... They're lawyers, right? Not not cops, but the, I was looking at the well, like flirt and bang. I was, I was yeah, yeah. And I'm working on a whole backstory. Of <laughs> um, the, I was looking at the editor's other credits because the the editor came from um a, like a more legitimate professional upbringing than okay. other people involved, and at first. I was like, no, I'm not going to edit your Friday the 13th part five. Um, but then he, his mentor said, no, like you should just like say yes to everything and it'll, um, you know, grease your career. Um, and he, yeah, he edited a lot of, uh, I think he's more or less still working or was active up until very recently, but, um, part of his resume, three episodes of Franklin and Bash. <laughs> <laughs> We have our love scene, which was apparently the f- step one on the shoot list. That was the first day of production. Wow. Uh, was this scene, which, you know, you can imagine the tone that, that struck. Right. Oh, God. She she talks, the actress talks about the cosmetics involved in... The garden shears? Yeah. Holy balls. And it sounded like, oh, my God, just quite a harrowing she described it as like a permanent in so because they so they created a cast of her face okay and then again it was kind of hard to you know not reading too many behind the scenes like movie makeup accounts perhaps makes it even harder to understand but um yeah they like made so so i was a little bit confused by it but they made a cast of her face and then like from there made this like very slight um like face mask which completely blinded her so she couldn't see anything she has to be naked for the scene so when mm-hmm. she's not filming she's just in this slight mask thing which she described as giving her a permanent cold headache as long as the thing was on 
um, while she's naked in a robe. Uh, but she said the the fake blood on the mask thing started like leaking into her eyes, oh. and it burned like hell. No, no, no. And I'm no, sure no, they no. shot that. I'm sure that. I mean, most daily movie shoots are. 12 plus hours yeah. long i can only oh that just sounds so awful and i'm sure i mean maybe par for the course for a lot of you know when you compare it to other sort of yeah more known like horrific hours in makeup and what the makeup does to you but oh god well that one is so shitty that was one of the more like suspenseful kills in the movie it was uh, you um like you know what's gonna happen because again like the jason pov um but you see the the garden shears just up, and that's all you see until they slam down. Um, and I had assumed, I'm like, oh, he chopped her head off. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, or, like, s- stabbed her on the chest or something. I, I was not expecting garden shears to the eyes and then <laughs> cut through the, the brain and whatever else, nose and face. Um, but then, so he comes, the... Um, Eddie comes back and like rolls her over, and that's how we we discover how she was actually killed. But that was one of the more gnarly. Kills. Well, it's two. I mean, the especially when you watch them in rapid succession and in sequence, you see sort of the the ebb and flow of like what they were able to get away with at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. This is probably, if I remember it all correctly, like one of the like tamer uses of blood and gore in the series i think it was just like again just like at the time where the mpa wasn't going to let you get away with too much but yeah her death and then eddie's death in particular are like probably the two most graphic yeah. and and messed up and eddie's yeah. is another one though that we don't i mean we see it as it's happening that you don't really see the the aftermath of it similarly to the flare yeah because you just see it kind of goes back and forth between his face and the killer, like, twisting the belt or whatever that and, was. I guess you just assume that he was... Well, just what was he like going to do if he didn't back up against a tree? Yeah, I, it was a very, <laughs> a very specific yeah. moment in time where that kill needed to happen. And I wonder, because when he... As it plays out on screen... There's a very, I guess I don't know how else to describe it other than like an unnatural, like, cleanness and force to, like, it looks mechanized. Like, the way that it, like, flips around his head, which is, I don't know, there's something just sort of, like, otherworldly and unfamiliar about that to me. Just the way that makes it, because it's probably, for me, probably, like, the most gruesome and messed up and, like psychologically tormenting deaths in the movie and the fact that it has this like unintentional maybe intentional delivery on camera where it like looks like something a human couldn't do with that cleanness is doing it it just makes it uh, all the more messed up oh yeah and the fact that he everything that's happening to him is coming from behind so he can't he can't see well obviously he can't see at the end of it all (laughs) um like he really can't see what is happening to him and it happens fairly quickly um yeah that was pretty gnarly we're going to visit demon yeah i wasn't quite sure what the point of this scene was (laughs) (laughs) like other than to show kind of why 
Reggie the Reckless is <laughs> with his grandpa? I maybe question mark. I don't know. Yeah, because you get. I guess you get you get some kills out of it, and this is. Again, in the it is kind of funny. In the arc of the series, this is the one that's known for the beginning of a ratcheted up sort of delivery of either sex or violence. So, yeah. depending on who you ask, the presumption was after four, the series was over, but by the time the fifth, you know, this one was inevitable, the clause was that, well, we'll do it, but every, I, I think the way that the director described it was like every seven to eight minutes, there needs to be a shock, a kill, or nudity. Okay. So I guess it's because there's no, there's nothing like shocking or nude about Demon. <laughs> but we get two kills, and I guess we, we get Tommy fighting with Junior. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of, and I, I mean, it just lengthens the movie, right? I mean, these a lot of yeah. these are known by having sort of inane shit in them. So they get to so they get as close to ninety minutes as they possibly yeah. can. I guess we got some poop humor out of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not the first time someone's on the. I, I think I can't remember. I was gonna say it's not the first time someone's on a toilet in this series because in the cold, or it's not quite a cold though. But in the opening scene of part three, there's a Jason victim on the toilet. I can't remember if that's where he dies ultimately or not. So it's, yeah, I always love it when they go so far is to have him on the toilet because <laughs> of his enchiladas. Yes. I mean, you get that. Right? I mean, that's a very like fan a demon in general, understandably is a fan favorite as well as the whole dab enchiladas, which is <laughs> <laughs> like, why kind of like the chocolate bar? Like and I couldn't, I was kind of confounding because he has, so he has enchiladas, tacos, egg rolls, and pizza. Where do you get all of those from? Right. And (laughs) and at first I was thinking like, well, was this, were they like hoping to have some product placement where, you know, they could get the like various fast, like if he's like, oh, I've got Taco Bell, I've got. Panda Express. I've got Pizza Hut here. What? But it's but yeah. But like absent any overt like name dropping. What is the explanation for him having this like smorgasbord of different food? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, in like the back of his van. Um, also, I'm just remembering. Um, so he introduces. Reggie to his girlfriend and then Reggie being a 12 year old <laughs> yeah. assumingly was like Pam <laughs> Pam, come here he calls her like baby or something I don't know but he introduces Pam to the two of them as his girlfriend and she has like no <laughs> yeah. reaction and everybody just goes with it <laughs> and Pam just hangs out um, and like, who knows what Tommy is doing for this entire moment in time? He's like, no, I'll just stand here. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he did not want an enchilada or an egg roll or pizza or tacos. He, I, yeah. Well, I think the logic is that Demon hears Reggie call Pam baby and is inspired then to write the song, Baby, Baby, Ooh, Baby. 
which again reportedly <laughs> the actor did and they used that and, and left it I, I guess it works because you need something to establish that there's fluid communication and then there's not and then it's suspenseful i mean they could have otherwise i guess like just been talking yeah and then the suspense would be created by her not answering him anymore but the call and response of this fake baby song, <laughs> like the Rat Tattooey, you get, I mean, yeah, I mean, what are they get making this one so great is you get not one, but two fake songs. <laughs> it was just all so bizarre. And then also porta-potties weren't scary enough. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was very Kerplunk. I always think of always, right? I I watched this for the first time a few months ago, but I think of Do you play do you have Kerplunk or know what Kerplunk is when you're a kid? Is it a game? Yeah. But it was one of those games where you never there was like there's that class of board games, at least based on my experience, where you didn't actually play them in like the sequential formal way that they were kind of like mouse, like mousetrap is the big one like that for me. Like, no, I feel like no one's ever actually played mousetrap, how mousetrap is supposed to be played. Oh, true. You just, you, yeah, you set it up and you do all the Goldbergian like things. Kerplunk was a lot like that. There was technically like some formal rules for Kerplunk. Oh, it had, it like was the, the cylinder sticks. and the marbles and you stuck the sticks through the cylinder oh. and then you poured the marbles in. And it's kind of like Jenga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person who makes it go kerplunk, which I think was maybe in the marketing, going kerplunk, um, <laughs> was like the person who lost. But yeah, the the shoving of the the spears or whatever, what, like whatever yeah, he's whatever using again. Uh, yeah, I just feel like, oh, it's kerplunk. Demon's going to go kerplunk. Um, yeah, the outhouses are creepy enough. It's now that I've seen somebody get kerplunked <laughs> in an outhouse. Oh, the shit box. The That's shit right. Box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I always look for, I don't, I don't think there's really anything that like noteworthy on the walls. You know, this time I noticed it's it says like, like, do not write on walls. <laughs> And the, yeah, I don't think this, there's something like the end is nigh type of thing is on there. Yeah, it's all in like red and black spray paint. Yeah. Uh, do we see Anita dead? Afterwards. And that's like kind of the worst, like that's maybe the worst effects of the movie or makeup effects, whatever you want to call it. He opens the door. He can't open the door fully because oh, she's, her, right. her dead body is blocking and she has like, the laziest like, like throat haircut. slit makeup yeah. on her neck <laughs> i'm having whatever the p version of a damn enchilada's moment is p break yeah, <laughs> yeah <that's P2. laughs> are we back yeah remind me what we were talking about <laughs> well, we're just yeah we were wrapping up the the demon scene yeah and i was saying so um I love this movie, <laughs> but but it, but yeah. Once there, there's a clear breaking point after the stuff with Demon and Anita that uh, just like kind of falls off a little bit for me. So a- a- after this, Pam and Reggie come back, and the the group kind of splits up. You off screen, 
uh, George, which is Graham's actual name, <laughs> and Matt have like gone off. Oh, they go off looking. They, oh, for they, Eddie. Yeah, and through dialogue Tina, yeah. off screen, you hear that they're looking for Eddie and Tina. Um, it's like not clear where uh, Tommy is until he like appears later during the climax. Yeah. Um, and then the kids kind of stay back where the. The, and, like, the one sort of, like, humorous note I, I take is that, you know, things are tense, people are getting murdered, and the Robin character is just thinking, like, is there, like, a two-hour classic movie I can just sink into? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going to ask, what movie are they watching? Is it, like, on the waterfront or something? No, it's older than that. Yeah, I want. Let me see if the Wikipedia thing is. I mean, it's it's a bit of Paramount property because they very, <laughs> uh, they oh, very yeah, conspicuously the <laughs> at the end of the credits show the movie. So I think it's a real movie. Yeah, I'm not sure which. Oh yeah, because kind of. It seems like it's somewhat thematically related. It seems like because it's the man and the woman in the canoe. Maybe that was the movie I was watching. <laughs> I don't and know it seems if he like ever said we hit a snag. It seemed like he was gonna a place in the sun. Oh, okay, I've heard Look of at Google coming that. through. Place in the sun ran exclusively on the Sci-Fi Channel from 2002 to 2004. Wait, no, this is from 1951. I know, I'm kidding. Oh my god! Oh god! I was also reading while you were saying that. I'm like, no, you're wrong. We need to be correct. Um, oh no, it says I don't know. IMDb says that it the the movie revolves around the drowning of one of its characters in a lake. Ah. Ah. Paramount certainly had a type. So yeah, Robin shoots down whatever that other kid's name is. <laughs> After he oh, like no. professes I was gonna his say love Jack. to her. It's not Jack. We t- there was, there was like we the one that we up. were and we Jake. Jake, that's yeah. right. He had like just a very basic name too. Um, and then <laughs> your favorite. Uh, Violet is having a weird day in her <laughs> <Yeah>. room. <laughs> so or she's like voguing or something. I think, yeah. I mean, who knows how people, especially in the context of you know, we're we're interviewing you to be in this you know compendium of testimonials about production of uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies, but they claim that she did all of her own popping and locking. <laughs> No stunt doubles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's yeah she's popping and locking. I twenty years before that was a thing. Am relieved both times that Jake doesn't like violently lash out at Robin. He cause, and I, he always he dies fast. I I forget how quickly he's he's killed once he once he goes upstairs. Yeah, it's pretty instantaneous yeah after he like um just leans against the wall and just broods for a while (laughs) and then whap and And violet just dances away (laughs) yeah yeah oh because he's gonna talk to violet she yeah yeah and there's yeah she's like get out of here weirdo and then robin puts reggie or she wants to put him to bed, but he won't move. And she's on that. There's something about that couch too. That couch is such a. The couch that Reggie is sleeping on is just so like. Oh 
yeah. Grandma and Grandpa's housey to me. I can just like I can feel exactly how that couch feels and smell exactly <laughs> what that couch smells like. Um, it's just like such a sensory experience for me. Then Robin goes upstairs, and cause, would she have been? Because she has a bunk bed. Yeah. Maybe I guess does she bunk with? Neat or Tina, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Because Violet somehow has her own room that she's like plastered with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good yeah. Because they're not because because Jake at one point says when he's talking to Robin says oh what he says I think he's we've, they've been there for about eight months. Yeah. And I guess however long I mean Violet's been there long enough to decorate it with a bunch of new wave <laughs> paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I, yeah, I think it's just to facilitate the fact that, or just to ease her getting stabbed through the bottom of the bed, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she finds him I in the bed, and then stabby, stab, stab. Which is very, which is kind of like a meta thing, too. And I mean, not like, I mean, obviously there are a million ways to outsmart this movie. That's not always the point. But as you watch more of these movies, you uh, part of the Jason ethos, <laughs> if you will, is that he, for as it were, plays with the corpses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you kind of get that in, I guess, the, like, mother-like son, because I feel like the Pam Voorhees kind of does that, if I remember correctly, in, uh, in the first one. But, and I think yeah. just, like, all of the movies, like, the bodies always, like, fall out of something to, like, right. torment the, the, the people who are still alive. But why would Roy, like, why would Roy do that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's obviously I, I mean, just to, uh, you know, get the audience to think that it is Jason right, right, and not right. somebody else. But and, that... you know, it's meant to be a copycat killer. And... But who would have documented that? And I mean, who would did... know? Because the people are... He did have all those newspaper clippings. <laughs> but who would be alive to say that? Oh, yeah, this guy, Jason, loves playing with the bodies once the people are killed. <laughs> Plot holes abound. <laughs> But yeah, in that top, so she, so Robin gets into the gets into bed, the top bunk, and wedged between one of the bedposts and the wall is a pink panther stuffed animal. Oh, but like not probably an officially licensed pink panther stuffed animal, which just reminded me of how jilting. And frankly, like sad it was as a kid when I would encounter and maybe be like given things that were off brand. Like if like every oh. like every once in a while you would be at the bowling alley or the pizza place that had in its crane machine the like fake not licensed versions of things. <laughs> and I just thought, I, mean, I guess it's just like snobbish behavior, but I just, oh my gosh, I thought there could not be anything worse than like the not branded Mickey Mouse or like, oh yeah, just, oh, that all came, it's a big carnival thing too, right? I feel like crane games and carnival, my parents took me to a lot of like county fairs and like because summer. Because they're fun? Carnival, oh yeah. Until... <laughs> You, you knock down like all of the bowling pins with the wiffle ball, <laughs> and the only prize is the, you know, like off-brand, off-brand, yeah, but yeah. That poor. I, I, I'm guessing it because she seemed to work that a little bit into her character, just reconciling with the fact that 
it seemed to be not an official, an officially licensed Pink Panther. Uh. I think yeah, somewhere in there, maybe even before that, we get the the death of Junior and Ethel. Oh man, back to my favorites. <laughs> uh, well, because the yeah, it's before that. For what it's worth, wait, yeah. does Violet die before or after this? Because she, she dies after Robin. So Ethel okay, and Junior okay. die, then, then Jake dies, the then Robin dies, then Violet dies. Okay. Well, so we go, we get back to <laughs> Ethel and Junior. It, well, doesn't it start with Junior like on a rampage on his yeah, bike? Yeah, he's just kind of doing just, donuts. Mom! <laughs> kill them! He hurt me, Mom! <laughs> he like rides. I'm pretty sure it's just the same film. Of him oh, riding yeah. over the <laughs> the um the porch over and over again. Um but also I think we may have we we missed the part or we didn't discuss the rando that shows up at their home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and the and Ethel's talks about like, oh well that's an <laughs> clean the shit out of the hen house. Also, fuck that guy's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then he, because oh, this is when um, Eddie and Tina are murdered. Yeah. He, he is licks like, his lips. <laughs> this is the chicken coop. <laughs> this is the chicken coop, and like he gets killed, but like nobody. I guess he did his job and got his free meal or whatever and left. Well, I Who wonder knows? what the yeah what the chronological sequence was. So he comes up in the book to explain how they got away with the sex scene, which apparently was supposed to be, if Danny Steinman had his way, three minutes long. Good lord. Um, And part of the... I mean, it was kind of three minutes of just boobs. Yeah. (laughs) Back Uh, to this part. It was the 80s. That's true. Sex was three minutes of boobs back then. But yeah, apparently part of the compromise was that they would cut to somebody watching them. And I don't know if they had already established... Because he's kind of like, I guess, a red herring. But they yeah. don't... I feel like they don't go to him enough to be a red herring. Because you just completely forget about him. Yeah, he yeah. shows up and he's ordered to clean the shit out of the chicken coop. Because <laughs> right. I guess like maybe he's there to... <laughs> To create some sort of possibility that he's the murderer, like I don't know, but because he only appears those two times, yeah, he's there to clean the chicken shit. Oh, because then he's killed, and right? Then he's yeah, killed. Yeah. yeah, I forgot. I yeah, I forgot that he's watching it the second time. I remember that he's yeah watching them, but I forgot that he's just like immediately killed them. Right. <laughs> um. But yes, Ethel and Junior. Junior is freaking out. Ethel yells at him again. Who's making like? A water-based stew? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like... There's just a lot of vegetables hanging out. But it's... The, yeah, know. like the... I mean, I'm sure it's because it's just water and it was a cheap production. And right. it, it just looks like, yeah, it's a not a broth-based, but water-based, transparent oh, we liquid. Didn't, we also didn't talk about her, like, hacking at that chicken. Oh, the chicken? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, oh, so maybe that's what was in the stew. Um, like, guys, we can't 
stand on each other's shoulders to be Jason until Mark shows up. <laughs> but also, so Junior is killed first in this situation, and it, my reaction to this was like, "Thank God, he's yeah. so annoying." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "That has to be why he was, why Junior was killed." And then Ethel, because they're just so annoying <laughs> as human beings, because there's no other reason to kill them. I, guess. I mean, there's no reason to kill anybody in this movie, really, but from a Jason, fake Jason Voorhees perspective, oh, yeah, it's for, just <laughs> Forgetting specifically when, obviously I, re- I remembered and knew that he was killed, but forgetting specifically how and when, <laughs> watching it the second time, when he's in the throes of doing the donuts, I was I was kind of like, uh, all right. Cause it's just I think like, I can, I, I'm good on Junior for right. now that it's like, oh yeah, shit, he gets his head lopped off. It's just like ending a child's tantrum in the most <laughs> gnarly way possible. Also, the, because there's a couple of times that, okay, well, no, so he's beheaded and then, in the original, Mother Voorhees is better oh, yeah, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, with, like, the slow motion. Um, but, like, just the fake heads <laughs> yeah. are so bad. Because, <laughs> oh. I would, yeah, I think even, for me, because that, that's a fake head, obviously it has to be, right? Yeah. That, that with the With the flare, the grease, that's a oh, fake yeah, greaser yeah. head, right? That just looks like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, even even the the fakiness of that is. And I think in the first one too, there's somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. In the first, was it the first one or is it the second? No, no, it was the first one. Um, where somebody is killed with arrows and they're like attached to a door. Yeah, yeah. The, one of the Monopoly players, one of the strip yes. Monopoly players. Um, and like the the final girl opens the door to see him there and he's just it's a fake body and he's just so rubbery (laughs) i'm just like oh yeah r.i.p ethel and junior (laughs) reincarnation she'll be reincarnated as uh amy sedaris 30 (laughs) years later does that make junior one of her doesn't she have those little Yeah, Junior's little reincarnated minis? as a little pit droid. <laughs> I just have one note after the because after this, we get into the climax from there, there's a little oh, bit yeah, of a because chase. It starts raining. Yeah, it starts it's you know, very you know, once you've seen some of the other ones, it's pretty um beat for beat in line with the previous ones, especially three, I guess it's not, they don't use rain in three. It's like windy in three during the climax, but there's a, uh, a barn is at the center of the climax in three. Like it is in this one. I like it fine. Um, I like that. I like that there's a chainsaw in it. I mean, not only because of the name of our show, but because <laughs> it's kind of a badass moment when she pops out of the, um, oh, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. little cubby with the chainsaw, but then it, it kind of dies shortly thereafter. Um, she doesn't she just like throw it at him yeah. and, runs? and i think right like like this is that crazy right this happens all the time especially in movies like this but i think it totally misses him oh and yeah he reacts as if it hit him <laughs> <laughs> very 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 conspicuously completely misses him um before i think it's before that though 
because it's before they enter the barn, you get Reggie coming Reggie out. coming through. In the thing, which is, I could not believe that this was pre-Aliens. And I don't know if you've what? seen Aliens or oh, not, but no. the, the climax of Aliens with Sigourney Weaver in the um, big, uh, whatever, like the mech loader thing, and she, it's in that yellow caterpillar brand colored machine where she comes out sort of at the 11th hour to stop the monster just like Reggie does in the similarly mm. um, similarly rhythmic moment. I couldn't, because it's, I don't know. I, I, I remember when I watched it the first time with Rachel, we turned to each other and was like, oh, okay, it's just an Aliens ripoff. But this was pre-Aliens. Mm. I just... I think we got a lawsuit on our hands. I just love that he was living up to his name. I think we got to get... Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> we got to get... Uh, what is it in Bang? What's our series? Flirt and Bang. Flirt, we got to get Flirt and Bang on this. <laughs> I think uh, they're, they're due some damages from James Cameron stealing the idea. Um, yeah, so there's that whole the whole um, kind of climax of the, the deal, and they end up in the, the barn at the top. Um, and... Th- Tommy Jarvis reappears somehow. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. <laughs> like, hey guys, I'm back. Here, Jason's here. I thought you were still in Demon's trailer this whole time. <laughs> I've just been waiting outside the truck. <laughs> oh, and then we see, as we skipped, we you see that the, the two older men were killed off screen. Oh, yeah. Very, very quickly. Gru- but like, very gruesomely with George. Like, we need to see that George has oh, his yeah. eyes gouged out. Yeah, there's a lot of eye... Yeah. stabbing in this one <laughs> yeah and then i think it's matt is the oh, like caretaker the who has um like a christ sized nail through his forehead oh. <laughs> yeah they, it just there was very quick Her crucifixion size nail. yeah um just like yeah these two guys got they they're dead too <laughs> like moving on and then we um in in lockstep with a lot of the previous uh series I was gonna say series finales, which I guess is <laughs> not an inappropriate way of putting it. You get like a couple fake outs and like 'cause it's first it's like a dream sequence and then it with, with Pam walking down the the hospital hallway to go into yeah. Tommy's room, but that's a dream. And yeah, then it's like basically the same take in reality. And then you think that Tommy jumped out the window, which has still gotten me both times. I think, oh, okay, he jumps out the window. But no, he's behind her. Yeah. <sighs> With the mask. And this is the end, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> we don't find out what happens to Reggie, though. Yeah, I guess not. I guess he survives, right? Which, good, because he's yeah. my favorite. And we have to keep him alive at all costs. He doesn't show up in any of the later ones, does he? No. no. Sad. Because I don't... There's not really... Missed opportunity. Or not, not really. Not at all. There's... Because this is five. Yeah, six is... Or I guess there are actual kids in six. What's cool about six is it, it six is the only one that takes place while camp is actually going on. Mm, so okay. there's 20-somethings and little kids at camp. Um, seven is like this one where it's like young people 
Eight is high school graduates. Nine has a baby in it. So I guess Reggie's not the youngest person to ever be hmm. in one of them. But yeah, he doesn't come back. Oh, we missed, like, how we didn't talk at all about how Jason, in quotes, is killed. Oh, yeah, it's very quotes. Mortal Kombat-esque. <laughs> like the pit. Uppercut, he gets uppercutted into the pit. Right. Well, doesn't Tommy chop off his hand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, again, that, to too, is sort Reggie. of like, it's the, you get sort of multiple endings. You think he's fallen off. And again, every time I think he does fall off, then he comes back and oh, he's, like, yeah. hanging on. So, yeah, and, and, like, Tommy. somehow he's able to, <laughs> I was thinking that watching this, too. I'm like, how are you able to hang on to the side of this barn with just, like, one hand on Reggie's foot and the other hand you're, like, clawing with? I'm like, physics does not allow <laughs> for this to happen. Well, they've established, to the film's credit, though, they establish earlier that they're just, it's it's existing in sort of an alternate reality with alternative rules of physics based on how the chocolate bars <laughs> um, fit out of <laughs> Joey's sweatshirt. How could I forget? So I wouldn't dock them any points there for that one. But, yeah, hand chop. The pit. The pit. Fatality. And then the mask comes off. And like, so they're somewhere they're selling unmasked Jason Voorhees masks for him to cut <laughs> the face hole out of to make it look like he's otherwise Jason. Where did he get? <laughs> where did he get that mask? <laughs> and he can't even say because again, I'm maybe like the. Or not the first person to, to say this, but unmasked Jason, which isn't a consistent look throughout the series, but tends to look like what's the character? Have you seen Goonies? Speaking of Corey oh, yeah, Feldman, yeah. the is oh. it like chunky? I think, I think, it's, I think it's chunky. Is it junk? <laughs> if only we had. I think it's it's probably chunky. I <laughs> Sloth. Sloth. Why did I think it's because I think because truffle shuffle, but that's the other kid who does the <laughs> truffle shuffle. Yeah, sloth. So yeah, he looks. It's not nuanced to say that he looks like sloth from Goonies. So you could say like, oh, it's everybody was wearing the sloth mask at the time for Halloween, but this was pre Goonies. Mm-hmm. Who was Goonies? Like eighty seven? I think it was the same year, but it was just oh, okay. after because that's why Feldman. Yeah, it was the same year, but that's why Feldman oh, okay. wasn't wasn't able to to do it. So it was uh, just a few months later. Yeah, it was three months later. Gotcha. Is that all your notes? Um, I think so. Oh, um, I mean, oh, there is a chunk. Okay, there is a chunk. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Is it one of the kids? Yeah. Okay. I think it's Chunk who does the truffle shuffle. Oh, um, what's his name? What's the actor's name? Jeff Cohen. What? No, he's the guy who's married to Rebecca Romijn. Oh, he's in the movie. He's not Chunk, though. Oh, no. Who, the but is he in the movie? He's not coming up. You're thinking of Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, that's, he's the Truffle Shuffle kid. Oh, man. Here, I mean, listening to <laughs> an idiot talk about a movie he's never seen before. You've um, never seen The Goonies? No. I don't think he's in it. I think you might be conflating oh, no, it with Stand By, Stand by Me. me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Corey Feldman is all. Oh, yeah, yeah, different kid. Don't, yeah, don't Jeff Cohen, Lawrence Chunk Cohen. Wait, so he's he's a Cohen and he plays a Cohen. Be a Cohen, play a Cohen. 
I was going to make a Sandy Cohen joke, but I couldn't think of one. Aw. Here, we'll rewind. So, <laughs> we'll rewind. All right, so Jeff Cohen played Lawrence Chunk Cohen. Wait, he is a Cohen, and he played a Cohen? He's a Cohen, he played a Cohen. Still no joke. I'm okay. Saying. I tried, Chunky. I'm so uh, I'm so vindicated by the fact that there's a chunk in this movie. I thought <laughs> it just stuck out to me. Um. Anyways, I mean, it's so okay. <laughs> I having only seen two of these movies, I was kind of underwhelmed that it was the medical examiner who did it all because uh, the kid was oh, murdered yeah. that he yeah. abandoned. Uh, <laughs> like what? You you were. You were upset enough that he was murdered. I mean, pretty viciously, not going to lie, but... Um, vicishly. Vicishly, yes. Uh, like, you were upset enough over that, but, like, you never thought to interact with the kid prior to this? What? So, it's like, Joey just died not knowing who his dad was. Well, I am a little orphan boy. I hope he was buried with chocolate bars. <laughs> I can't, and now that it really begs further explanation, but I was going to say I can't really explain it that much, but there's something, maybe it's even mocked before, but there's something about that reveal in the hospital that seems so much like a South Park joke to me where they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, we found out that that was Joey's dad. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> <laughs> <And> they flip, <laughs> very formally flip through the through the wallet. Oh, man. Good shit. <laughs> Should we hand out some major awards? Let's do it. All right. Look, you know this. You love this from Best Thing I Ever Saw. Except, uh, I guess unless we get sued, these will be sort of the fixed five awards. These are kind of like the the Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Actress, and Screenplay Awards. Um uh, but anyways, <laughs> instead of what the, <laughs> we always do a what the fuck on best thing I ever saw, but since this is spooky, we've got what the hell. Ooh. I mean, mine's pretty, it's just the chocolate bar stuff for me. <laughs> um, oh, I deleted all my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, elaborate on this one again. It's just a WTF moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But scary. But scary. I, th- I think mine has to be the uh, Eddie's death because it's oh yeah it's just like how, who thinks of killing somebody like that who has a belt on hand <laughs> like I mean I guess people wear belts but like yeah but is it because it, it's two female parts because it's because it's not a belt because you couldn't it's two it's like the two both ends have that crescent moon or I guess half moon loop pair oh because then he puts the he puts the like the tree branch through them yeah twists it it. whatever it was (laughs) it looked like a belt (laughs) no idea yeah but because that was fairly elaborate and like we mentioned like very specific circumstances needed to arise in order for it to happen correctly and then also just kind of on the the flip side of it just the fact that there were 50s greasers in this movie (laughs) what the hell is this best scare we talked about this too a little bit already or a lot of it already well i guess it's either the spider or the mask the first time i watched it Uh, it was definitely uh. the spider 
the second time watching it, I was so distracted by being able to not be scared by the spider, I forgot that he puts on the mask. Yeah. And the mask scared me. So I guess do I could just say collectively that scene. Which is kind of a ridiculous thing to say that that is the scariest scene well, to me, just, but it is, yeah. It's the the spider was the only thing that made me jump. Yeah, I definitely jumped the first sit, watching just it the, the first most time. Inane thing that makes me jump in scary movies, but because every other kill is so formulaic and yeah, like recognizable that it's going to happen that you can prepare yourself for it. Best dressed to kill. I my my instinct is to go with violet oh wow just because she's the only one that seems to have her own style and i don't know the hair gives me beetlejuice vibes and vibes and makes me laugh (laughs) well she's wearing yeah in the first in her first scene she's wearing that i don't know how to describe it well i guess but she's wearing like those black overalls where it seems like the back is the front and it's like knotted in the front those are cool looking yeah yeah. Yeah. but i mean like everybody else is just kind of generic and I had to, yeah, I, because it seems like there's not the typical period specific fashion in this one, like the other ones. I had to, I did, I did some googling this morning to mm-hmm. kind of refresh my memory, and I do like Robin's outfit again. Probably in the same scene where Violet's wearing the those black overalls, she's got like the '80s jeans, she's got red suspenders, she's got, or maybe they're not red, but she's got like the suspenders and jeans and like a sweater like knotted over her shoulder. Oh yeah, the very um, preppy look. I like that. Yeah, I like that look. Runner-up would be Eddie's Rocco's Modern Life shirt <laughs> that he's wearing in the <laughs> in the love scene. He can't forget the sunglasses. He's never not wearing sunglasses. I mean, until he dies. <laughs> what if he's wearing one of the uh, Tommy scary masks. Oh, that's true. What if he's wearing? What if he were wearing sunglasses under the? <laughs> do you, then everybody would have known it was yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> if he were wearing the sunglasses over the mask, <laughs> I can't see without him. <laughs> it's too bright in here. It's weirdly bright for a scary movie. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. All right, you have to go first on this one because. I okay yeah I went through so Hell's Kitchen. It's what so what food are we pairing with this movie? Um. I mean, I know the obvious answer, but... Is it meat because meat is murder? No, it's oh. chocolate bars. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I didn't even... Yeah, I went through... Uh, I, at first, I thought, you know, it's new beginning. Would there maybe be, like, some new American cuisine to pair with it? I guess the sort of... The whole Ethel and Junior aesthetic. Just a weird mismatch of a, or, of a stew. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think a lot about with whenever Ethel's in the kitchen, I think a lot about the the buffet scene in um, Vegas Vacation, okay. you, oh, when Randy Quaid takes um, Chevy Chase to the like off strip, off color buffet when there's like just kind of really disgusting buffet food. Um, but no, I it came to me epiphanically <laughs> in in honor of uh, demons. Uh, Smorgasbord. Oh, yeah, We're just yeah. gonna have a bunch of like, uh, yeah, like different, yeah, like fast food, fast casual takeout. It's on some uh, some Pizza Hut or something, some Taco Bell. I can imagine that. Some some Chinese just, takeout like, laid out across the yeah. table. Everybody, everybody can kind of like something for everybody. They can choose what they want. Like charcuterie of fast food. Yeah, I'm into it. You'd have to have chocolate bars on there, though. And that's what, that's where you're going with chocolate bars. 
Oh, that's just the obvious yeah. idea. Yeah, I didn't even there. Yeah. Shit, I didn't even think of that. That's what I assumed your answer was going to be. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, shit, I have to come up with something different. But only half of a chocolate bar. <laughs> the other the half rest for of Joey. it is melted all over oh, your no. face. <laughs> uh, Buzzsaw Feed Me Seymour quiz. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you, you can't, you need to see it written out. In order to fully appreciate the <laughs> stupidity of this. Uh, so Buzzsaw Feed Me Seymour quiz. Uh, I don't even know if I could say you know this from Best Thing I Ever Saw. Uh, two recent episodes. What does recent mean? Depending on when this comes out. Um, <laughs> Rachel, Sam, and I have assigned characters from certain movies to each other. Uh, I guess in the vein of a BuzzFeed quiz. What Disney princess are you, etc.? There are no questions involved. Uh, yeah. I was disappointed. <laughs> but it's, it's who is, so who's your co-host? So I'll be assigning uh, someone or something from the movie to Taryn. I say something because my first thought uh, was the Popeye cookie jar, just because I love that <laughs> cookie jar so much. But then... So there's um, no connection to me, just the fact that you enjoy it. But no, I, I thought the harder I thought about it, Taryn is uh, definitely demon because there's a f- famous scene with Demon kind of getting walked in on in the bathroom. <laughs> really and there's a famous scene from our lives where I walked into Taryn in the bathroom. <laughs> and Taryn had just eaten enchiladas and ran away from the our table at the coffee shop saying, damn enchiladas. I was going to say, if anybody... <laughs> you were probably eating a breakfast burrito. <laughs> um, I had a biscuit sandwich. So yeah, easy, easy designation. Oh, there. That's so spot on. <laughs> uh, mine is more, and I kind of hinted about this earlier, so it's not super surprising. Oh, to I you, think but, yeah, yeah. Uh, mine is more sartorial in nature, um, and you are obviously Eddie for the we very love a- bright and patterned button-up shirts and sunglasses pairing if he were wearing boat shoes <laughs> it would be perfect but i don't know what shoes he was wearing what shoes we gotta, gotta check plus he's tapes. really goofy i'm always reminding people who <laughs> i am <laughs> i mean when it's really obvious i mean there was a uh, very recent moment at a brewery in town where somebody recognized me but did not That's recognize true. you <laughs> And I you did have to remind him then. of who you were. <laughs> and, you know, he, well, he had, yeah, he had this, this person had some animosity towards me and he was about to. For some reason. He, he was holding a belt with two female ends. <laughs> Luckily, there and, like, weren't any hitting a stick nearby. in his hand. <laughs> uh, nice. All right, let's, let's rank this. Let's rank this one. Out of 10 seems sane, right? We'll yeah. be assigning each film that we discuss a number of chainsaws out of 10. I feel like we need a chainsaw noise oh, yeah. here. Yeah. You're welcome. Taryn, how many chainsaws you given? Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. I feel like you're going to be upset with me. Oh, no. But I'm going to go with six. I'm not it, angry. <laughs> okay. It all kind of boils down to the how formulaic it is. And maybe also because I watched the original one earlier in the day. 
and the plot progression is nearly identical and like I could basically other than like determining who the actual killer was just kind of point by point in like just knew what was going to happen it was enjoyable but I probably won't watch it again I'm sorry yeah I more or less I think I liked I more or less liked it as much as I did the first time I watched it maybe like slightly less I'm gonna give it eight Eh, maybe seven chains, seven and a half, seven and a half chainsaws. You do half chainsaws. Yeah. Good to know. Seven, yeah, seven and a half chainsaws. So I guess it's seven <laughs> chainsaws and either the handle or the blade. <laughs> <laughs> it's super fun, but at the same time, I would say maybe not even the most fun of the franchise. As, as we'll get into, the more we. We do stuff like this. The crown jewel, as I've already talked about, is that that chocolate bar scene. Again, maybe I just need to see more. See more quiz? See more what? See more quiz. Oh, see more. Yeah, see more quiz. I need to see more quiz. <laughs> oh, um, cut that out. <laughs> look, if I could just see more quiz. No. <laughs> maybe I just need to see more from more canonical hilariously bad 80s era 70s 80s 90s era horror movies mm-hmm. but while it's not the best of those i think it like it definitely holds a special place in my heart because of both the chocolate bar scene and the kind of stupid way i remember it because of the whole canoe thing yeah, it was very bizarre um but yeah, yeah i mean not the best not the best worst movie by any stretch not the best friday the 13th movie um, so it's a solid seven chainsaws and a handle. <laughs> if the movie didn't have Reggie, hmm. it would be much further down. Also, if it didn't have Ethel and Junior, I mean, come on. Yeah. They make this movie. <laughs> or did you say everything you wanted to say? I mean, I did accidentally delete all my notes. <laughs> so. uh, well, we kind of, again, off mic teased what we'll be doing next we're not you know we talked about how it's kind of weird to not that because we won't necessarily always be doing like franchise stuff in sequence or franchises in general i don't think we'll be doing a friday the 13th movie next and this is because i don't think i mentioned at the top that this was part you know part just you know like our little passion project but also to kind of prepare us for certain uh, movies we'll be tackling in the sequels and the horror sequels episode of best thing I ever saw. So it might seem like a little like wonky, I guess these, these first several episodes, but I think next, do you want to say what we're doing next Aaron? It's a, is it personal... the original or, or the sequel I prefer? Well, the sequel you prefer is going to be in the big best thing I ever saw. Episode. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure I said the right one. Okay. okay. I could, I could edit the three out if you said three by mistake. That's fine. So we're going to watch Critters. Yeah, I think, yeah, next up we'll do Critters and probably Critters 2. Okay, because we need Critters to followed critters by Critters 2 because Critters Critters 3, for people keeping score at home, will be featured in, whenever that happens, uh, the best thing I ever saw horror sequels horror. episode. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Halloween kills. <laughs> All right. Play it again, Taryn.